Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Okay, so I'm in the middle of a series based on the theme for this month, which is May the Force Be With You. The Force Be With You. And no, I will not be talking about Star Wars 2 very much, but a little bit. Actually, the best punchline comes at the end. So stay tuned. See, about four or five years ago, I got this cosmic download. And a download for me is... You're thinking something else, and then all of a sudden a thought comes, and you don't know where the thought comes, and there's only, way the, only one place the thought could have come, which is from outside of you almost. It's not, it wasn't in your, con, your conscious processing. It was just boom. And uh, the download came that we are a force for good, and then a committee of people added uh, in the world. But I think that we really are a force for good, and we are a force for good in the world. Not just for ourselves or those around us, but we can be a force for good in the world. Ernest Holmes said that there's a power for good in the universe and we can use it. So that force, that power, that energy, that is a universal law of cause and effect, but it needs to be focused to be effective. And that's what I talked about last week. So if you're watching today or later, and you had, did not see the September 6th, that's a hard one to say, 6th, on September 6th, I did a talk, you'll see it on CSL, Seattle YouTube channel, or on Facebook, watch that, because that's about drawing in your energy, and the life force, so that you can focus it, and then today, I'm going to talk about focusing it for good. Now, that force In our philosophy, and also in in most major world religions, it's called the law of cause and effect. And the law of cause and effect functions this way. Consciousness, that which is invisible, is cause, and everything else is effect. An effect is only effect of something else if it changes our consciousness. Consciousness is always the instigator of something that shows up. Consciousness is always the instigator of situations and conditions. And uh, consciousness is, has to be uh, solidified. Like, well, I'll give you an example in just a moment. But that means that wishing, hoping, wanting, and trying are weak ways of focusing that energy or the force or the law of cause and effect. So there's a lot of people that wish, hope, want, try, blah, 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 and they don't get anywhere, and then they say, well, you know, change your thinking, change your life, that doesn't work. Well, what they did was they changed their wish and their hope. They did not change their consciousness because consciousness has, has a lot to do with expectation. You've changed your consciousness when you've changed your expectations. In theology, that would be called faith. It is done unto you as you believed, but it is your faith that has healed you. It is your faith that's done the power. So let me give you an illustration. 
I'll give you two, actually. The first one was told by Reverend Edward. He is uh, Reverend Dr. Edward. He'd like the doctor in there. Anyway, he, he was telling a story recently about a gentleman who was a tightrope uh, artist. And he walked, he walked without a net from point to point. Without a net. Walked there, walked back. Said to the audience, do you believe I can walk across this tightrope? And they said, yep. So then he takes a wheelbarrow. Now that to me, just even hearing that was like, oh, that's scary. But he walks with the wheelbarrow across the tightrope one way and then back the other way. And he says, do you believe I can take a, a wheelbarrow across this tightrope? And they go, yeah. So then he asks for his assistant to get in the wheelbarrow. And they get in the wheelbarrow and he walks across the tightrope one way and walks back the other way. And he says to the audience, do you believe I could take a person across this tightrope in a wheelbarrow successfully? And they go, yeah. And then he says, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Dead silence. See, they believed he could do it, but they didn't expect <laughs> that they could. They could believe that what they're watching, but they had no faith they would survive. See, consciousness to truly create a cause that is effectual requires faith, which is confidence in something. In a few minutes, uh, Ruby Romero is going to be doing our closing prayer for us. And I, I am real impressed by her faith that she took in these teachings and she worked with them and worked with them and they went beyond belief and into expectation. When her father was diagnosed with cancer, stage four cancer, and was given four months to live, she went to him and she said, you know, she believed that consciousness was cause. And she said, Dad, whatever's going on with this cancer is something that's inside of you. Go inside and heal that which is inside of you and you'll get better. And how long has he been well now? Three years, going strong. Four months to three years. She had an expectation. She believed in the law of cause and effect. And she got her dad in the wheelbarrow and took him across and he's well. And he was willing to he had faith in her faith. That's what people of faith can do. You can have so much faith that you can deliver people into a new reality because they have faith in you, which is the way that Jesus healed. People had faith in Jesus, and he had faith in the law of cause and effect. Now, there's a lot of ways to teach the law of cause and effect. My favorite is by teaching the law of what's called mental equivalence. And there's a little booklet by Emmett Fox that you can read about that. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to get too technical. I'm going to give you the, the condensed definition of the, law of cause and of, uh, of the law of mental equivalence that I use, which is whatever is normal is ours and will continue to be ours until we create a new normal for ourselves, If you can't create a new normal, you can't create a new effect. Now to explain that a little bit, I want to use the laws of physics, as in physical reality. And in the laws of physics, a body's gonna do what a body's doing. Not what a body wants to do, a body's gonna do what a body's doing. 
In physics, if a body is standing still, it wants to remain still. If it's moving, it wants to remain moving. If it's turning, it wants to continue to turn in that direction because that's what it's doing. Also in physics, if you want to take a body that is still and move it, you have to use much more energy to get it going than to keep it going. And if it's moving, you have to create a lot more energy to stop it than to keep it still. That's just physics. And the same way is happening with our mental body. Think of our consciousness like gravity, like a planet. And what we do is that the more we believe in something, the harder it will get, it, it will be for us to move that out of our consciousness. If we've believed in it in a long time, it doesn't want to leave. Now, it doesn't mean that it can't leave, but it will not be like, I wish it away. I hope that doesn't happen. I really want him to be different. That wishing, hoping, wanting stuff won't work. That's namby-pamby metaphysics. And that's not going to shift your life nor the world. That doesn't mean the world can't shift. And it doesn't mean something can't happen. But it will take energy. Mental, focused energy. So, how do we do that? How do we make the world a better place? And, and I believe that you're watching this because you would really like to world, make the world a better place. I think you want to contribute. There are people, not everyone wants to do that, not everybody is up to that. But if you're watching, you're up to that. You want to. That means that you are answering an inner soul call. Because as we evolve, as we get things handled, as we know that we are going to have a roof over our head and we're going to have food tonight, as we know that someone loves us and appreciates us, we reach the place in our evolution, evolving into our spiritual essence, really becoming ourselves, that we want to contribute. contribute. Contribution is a call. And... If we don't answer that call, we will not feel satisfied or fulfilled. We can live a long life, have a bunch of stuff, and not feel satisfied and fulfilled. We are to use spiritual ideas, principles, and tools to get our life together enough so that we can finally live out of the reason we suited up in the first place. Why did we incarnate in the first place? There was a reason. We're not here by accident. We weren't here uh, without a choice. I've done a lot of um, soul purpose work. I'd say um, I've led more than a thousand, more than uh, more than a thousand people, either at this center through classes, or workshops, or through other centers, to help people find their high and holy purpose. Why did they say I will incarnate at this time, at this place? And what, I, what I've noticed is, there's, is that everyone had a high and holy purpose that was greater than their individual self. They did not incarnate to get a new car. They did not incarnate so that they could have just the right house and have just the right-looking family. No, they, they always incarnated for something greater than this individual me self. And then the other thing that I've noticed is no two people had the same high and holy purpose. 
It was all different. Everyone had a different reason for suiting up. And I was thinking that if we all fulfilled our purpose, it would be like one of those beautiful jigsaw people, jigsaw puzzles that people are doing now while they're self-quarantining. You know, every piece counts. Every purpose counts to create the picture of heaven on earth. Um, this comes from high mysticism. And <laughs> this is, high mysticism was written by Emma Curtis Hopkins. Don't read it alone. Uh, always have an interpreter. But she's, she's so wonderful when she, when she says, the reason that, or the practice point, because, because there's a practice point for every chapter, the practice point for the fifth chapter, which is on faith, which is what we're talking about, is that we take on a job that is ours to do, that is our special contribution to the, to the evolution of the planet, just as Jesus took on his particular job to do for the evolution of the planet. And she said that um, uh, is, is that, that we must acknowledge that there's something for us to do just as he acknowledged that there was something for him to do. And we must continue to work until we are doing that. And I remember reading that years and years ago and going, wow, mm, that's a tall order. And yet even he said, greater things than this ye shall do. But a lot of human beings haven't signed up for that. I think they haven't signed up for that because until recently, until the New Thought movement got going, a lot of ancient wisdom wasn't being applied in modern ways. The wisdom's old. Application is new. A lot of people are applying these things that were written thousands and, year, thousands, and thousands of years ago through every continent of the, of the world. And now we can know what those wisdom teachers were teaching and we can condense them and go, okay, I can do this. It's now time for us to do this. This is a critical time on the earth. And so we can't have just one or two wise people. We need a mass recognition of our own power, of our own authority of our own divinity. So this talk is about how to be a force for good in the world. How to use the power, the, the force, the chi, the law of construction, of creation in constructive ways. How to use the law of creation in constructive ways. First thing, we have to understand that that principle, that law of cause and effect, is not bound by what has happened before. Metaphysicians say it this way, principle is not bound by precedent. So just because something has always been doesn't mean it was, must always be. It can shift. And we know that sometimes, and yet not all the time. To practice this is to practice knowing it more often. See, there's a shadow on the, on the floor here caused by this, um, this, uh, mu this microphone stand. 
But if I move the microphone stand, the shadow changes. The shadow could have been here for years, but it is dependent upon this. You change this, the shadow changes. You change consciousness, the effect will change. But like I said, consciousness doesn't want to move. It's not, it's, I'm not saying this is going to be easy, but I am saying it can happen. And that's what we have to count on. We, have, we cannot adopt new ideas while still clinging to outworn beliefs of the past. That stand has always been there. It will always be there. No, that stand has been there. But I can take the time to, sh to change it, to shift it, and things will change. Now, how do we start to do that? We start to do that by, giving our, by realizing that part of the law of cause and effect says that what we give our attention to increases. What we give our attention to increases. That's why affirmations work. Because for a while, we are giving our attention to what we want to affirm as happening, and we're not giving our attention to this big mass of consciousness that's been yanking us around for a long time. So we might say, I'm loved, I'm lovable, I'm loved, I'm lovable, I'm loved, I'm lovable. And then, oh, nobody likes you. No, I'm loved, I'm lovable, I'm loved, I'm lovable. Nobody's ever liked you. No, I'm loved, I'm lovable. This thing won't shift easily, but it can. But we have to start putting our attention on what we want. We have to continually do that so that this becomes more real than that that this becomes our new reality, our new mental equivalence. This is also why the war on anything has never worked. Because if you go to war with something, you've made it real. And this is why hate has never changed anything for the better. Because whatever you hate, you've just made real. And it will stay real. I will give an example that some of you have heard so many times. So you can go out and get a cup of coffee really quick, come back. But it's a story I'll tell forever because I'm so Im impressed with the woman named Mo Manley. Mo came to our center about 25 years ago. She was walking with a cane and she was nearly blind. Her husband at the time had to lead her around. What was really sad about her succumbing to MS so quickly is that she came to she succumbed, she came she succumbed to MS while riding her a bike in Colorado because she was on the Olympic cycling team. And then all of a sudden she was hit. She took our classes and she got something that what you give your attention to increases. So what she did was she started giving her attention to what in her body worked. Whereas MS philosophy and, and um, structure and, and the old story was this is going to go and then that's going to go and if this goes, wait for that to go. And so you just wait for it to go and then you cope with what's going. That was huge. And she really had to pull herself away from that to continually look at how her body functioned well. I get to see Mo on Facebook quite often, and she's usually on a hill with her bicycle because she's riding again, she's competing again, and she still has MS, and she has bad days. But the bad days don't equal the good, 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 good days because she used these things 
to shift the gravity of I'm going downhill to I'm riding my bike uphill. That's the power of attention. We also have the power through contemplation to become something different. Emerson said, what we contemplate, we become, and this is why spiritual practice is so important, because as we contemplate the nature of nature, as we contemplate the nature of the universe, as we contemplate our connection to the divine, as we contemplate that which is greater than ourself, all of that starts to inform us and reform us, and we start to become what we've contemplated. And contemplation just means think about a lot. If you think about what's not right in your body, what's not right in your body will start to form you. If you think about the nature of the universe, you start to incorporate the nature of the universe. You start to become more loving. You start to become more creative, more intelligent. You know things. You know that if you don't know it now, you'll know it when you need to. You'll start to become more confident, stronger, healthier. Everything will start to shift in you because you are contemplating your spiritual nature instead of your human incarnation, and the spiritual nature trumps the human incarnation. If you want to play cards, guess what? It's the trump card. God wins. I want to read to you something I put on my Facebook page, and it's about near-death experiences. I'm sharing this with you because... Um, I haven't had a near-death experience, but I've had a bunch of near-life ones, and every, I wouldn't share this except it is my experience of life. It is the way I have, uh, it's, it represents the downloads I've had. It represents um, the experiences of, of the divine that I've had. And also, many people write about the same thing. They may use different words, but it all comes down to about the same thing. And you can get a book on this. There's lots of books on near-life experiences, near-death experiences, but here's some. First of all, this, this gentleman said that um, he found out, and I know, I've had that experience, that we picked our life, that we came to Earth School for a purpose, that that there is that we're all connected that we're everything is so connected not just people and friends but we're connected with the earth itself which is what indigenous people have said for a very long time he said i was surprised that the creator has a sense of humor and i said yeah god and i are always joking around like whoa god you did that in such a funny way that was cute oh good for you oh got me that's good um how, how, we're, uh, how current events and issues such as greed, environmental pollution, racism, and bigotry are of concern to the universe. He also saw that the life was in review and that nothing ever was forgotten. We will remember everything. And that we are very close to those who have been deceased. We are very close. They are close. We are close. They didn't go anywhere. And uh, the most amazing thing is that he said is, and I believe this is true, the most amazing thing is that he knew then that we, he had always known. And we just forgot. 
people do spiritual practices to remember what they've always known. When you find out that you really loved, you always knew that, but you forgot. When you found out that you're more powerful than you thought, you've always known that, but you forgot. We don't come to places like this. I don't show up, and Ruby didn't show up, and Beverly didn't show up, and Joel didn't show up, and Jeff didn't show up to, re- to tell you something. We're here to remind us, all of us, of just things we forgot. That we're holy. That we're made in the light and the life and the love of God. Out of the life and the light and the love of God. That our essence is light and love. All of that is just a memory that we're here to trigger. So we can live out of that instead of this mental equivalence of limitation and powerlessness and insignificance. The next thing is that we need to be to begin practicing being the world we want to see. We need to begin to practice being the world we want to see. Now, this comes from indigenous people. Uh, This this teaching comes from the Navajo, and when the Navajo want rain, they will send their shaman or holy man to a sacred spot, and he does not pray for rain. He doesn't pray for rain. He prays from rain. So he goes to the holy spot and he feels the the rain on himself. He feels the mud on his feet. He feels the wind whipping around. He feels the coolness of the water evaporating off his skin. He feels it and what they think and what that seems to be true is that the rains will come. Some people on Facebook are doing that same thing. We are feeling that. Not wishing, hoping, praying, wanting, but being soaked. It's happened before. I've watched it happen. I've watched rains happen when it wasn't in the forecast, and we're doing it again because it's so needed right now. Pray rain. Well, then the same thing needs to happen when, when we want peace in the world. It was Jewel who said in the, in the song Life Uncommon, if praying were, to, were enough, peace would have come to be. But we pray for peace like a want, like a wish. And a lot of people pray for peace knowing that it's those people that aren't letting us have it. <laughs> when we've just given power to those people instead of being the power of peace, instead of feeling it, expressing it, holding it, being an epicenter of it. To pray for peace means to be peace. To pray for racial equality and and the elimination of conflict, we have to be the elimination of conflict. We have to be someone who sees the soul of everyone else, the spirit of everyone else. We cannot see right and wrong. And see, sometimes people see those who don't see the way they see as wrong. Well, we've just perpetuated wrong. We're a place where wrong shows up. If we want to have 
equality, we have to see everyone equally as the beloved of the universe and see our interconnection and see our responsibility to be the place where heaven shows up. Man, that's a call. But you're up for it. We're the ones we've been waiting for. Wasn't there a chant once? We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting for. <sighs> Last thing. I said that today's talk on my advertisement for this would be that it would be about grace and ease. And this can sound like, wow, what a lot of responsibility. Wow, how are we going to move that mental equivalence of, that's been going on for millennia of injustice? Millennia of superiority. Millennia, millennia of haves and have-nots, powers and powerless. It's been going on forever. It's not just epidemic in the United States. It's been forever. Few, few cultures that we know of that were truly functioning as a family, and usually they were small. But it doesn't mean that we can't move that thing. But we're not moving it ourselves. We do this with grace and ease. And I'll give you the illustration because now I'm going to go to Star Wars. So remember when Luke Skywalker landed on a planet to see Yoda. And he, he worked with Yoda for a while. And then he wanted to get his whatever that starship is. I, got, I don't know. Did you call it a plane? Is it a ship? It, it was a what? X-wing. Well, that thing. <laughs> God, we got a Star Wars guy. Anyway, that thing he flew in on, <laughs> that's sort of like the horse you came in on. Well, anyway, the, the, plant, the thing he came in on was in a swamp, and he needed to get it out of the swamp. And so he was told, get it out of the swamp. And Yoda says, get it out of the swamp. So he's, and Yoda says, don't try, do. And the plane, or the thing came up. Now, here's the deal. He and Yoda didn't go through the swamp, plug their nose, find the machine, put a rope around it or a chain, and pull it out manually. They did not labor. It is the force that did the work. Once we start to hold the pattern of the world we want to live in, we need not labor. It'll be the law of cause and effect, the grace of God, the forgivingness of God that will do the work. That's what does the work. Our job is to hold it, to keep it, to see it, to not give up on it. When, when Ruby told her father, you know what, you can live, she didn't just say it and then give up. You held it. You held it so that you could hold his hand moving across the divide of cancer to no cancer. We can do this. <laughs> we have the power. I think that's another 
that we've got, there's a song about that, and I think there's a movie. You just have to let that force not just be with you. You have to let the force be you and watch. So let's just take a deep breath. And what, 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 what do you want to see in the world? What does your holy purpose call you to see in the world? It's not that you won't go out and do something, but you'll be inspired to do something. You'll be inspired to take this step or that step. Because your holy calling, your holy purpose will call you forward. So, imagine now the world you want to live in. And commit to that image. Give your attention to that image. Because that image, that idea is already held in the mind of God. And we are co-creators with God as we let that image be in our mind now. Hold it. Cherish it. Be used by it. And let the grace of God do the work.